Welcome, everybody, to the special post-bye week North and Goal. As you know, both our teams are on a bye, so Benji and I decided, you know what, let's follow suit. We'll take a bye week as well. So we took a bye week last week, and here we are. I am Jake, known on Twitter as the Mighty Alaskan Ute and known in real life as um, Jake. <laughs> and and I am Benji. Uh, similarly, known in real life as Benji, but on Twitter you can find me under the handle at Alaskutan, and uh, my current Twitter name is Gahulaku because a guy just shouted that out trying to say Gonwalaku uh, during the USC game. The the announcer was like Gahulaku with the big play, and I love that name. I just I thought it was awesome. So pff, it's me. You do that. You 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 find current trending yes. um, things like that and make that your Twitter name. Quite yeah, a bit. So. for the for the longest time, nice leather pants was my name, and and I just <laughs> I wrote that one as long as I could because it's just like what. Yeah, for those that don't know, that's in reference to Kyle Whittingham is being interviewed by a lovely lady after uh, after one of the games. I can't remember who it was, but all the sideline la- ladies are always lovely. Anyway, a nice, lovely lady, and she asked him how the game was. That game's great. We uh we stopped the defense. Nice leather pants. Yeah, it, it just was. It was so like out of place and yeah. weird that it was. It was funny. It made you wonder if like was that like an inside joke? Had they done some pregame like meet and greet? Was there a comment on you know? Because I don't know him, but I'd like to think that there was something more to that than like the creepy old man trying to pick up on the young lady. Which he's a married guy. He's a great guy. I don't think it was that, but that's what it sounded like. Yeah. Well, the truth is, he probably. I mean, he's. He does that. He comments like, hey, nice hat to people all the time or nice whatever. Mm-hmm. And it just – I think he just wasn't aware of the moment because he probably saw her pants, yeah. thought she looked pretty good, and it just came out nice leather pants. I mean, <laughs> dude, we're, we know how it is. We're men. We notice stuff like that when it happens. Nice leather pants. we see some stuff like that. <laughs> but we don't, we're not on national TV being interviewed by said person. So yeah. I think – Going back, if he could take it back, he probably wouldn't say it again because it caused kind of a an uproar. Not an <laughs> uproar, but people making fun of it. But it just, yeah. I think what happened is he was being interviewed. He couldn't hear, so he put his ear close to her and was kind of looking down, noticed a lovely woman wearing nice leather pants, and just said it. <laughs> so See, what I'm, do you do? I'm still maintaining that there's some there's some background that maybe that was an inside joke that made her laugh, like, oh, yeah, haha, the thing. But but yeah, who knows? It It, just, it did sound weird. Yeah, anyway, that's so. who we are, Jake and Benji. And and I love, too, the decision that we've made uh, production-wise to not break down the games from two weeks ago. We're going to spend some, some time doing the hard-hitting analysis of the bye week. Yeah. Uh, I must have missed that part of the production meeting. <laughs> was that when I was late? You were, was you were on Twitter. You are playing on your phone, not listening. Or was that when <laughs> I was out getting breakfast for us? Yeah. No, <laughs> we'll go. we'll break down if you guys can remember – a couple weeks ago, it was all Utah. It was one of those weeks where the Utah fans are just full of glee, everything coming up roses. Utah put together a perfect game, and the BYU fans are what I would call uh, irrationally disappointed. I mean, it's disappointing to lose, yes, every time. But we'd said this all along. I've said this going into the Toledo game and all season. This is a game that will look a lot worse if you lose than it actually is because they're a much better team than their name would imply or their conference would imply. And so exactly like I was afraid was going to happen, happened that we lost. And instead of like, oh, man, tough loss to a good team, we played well, and we didn't really play well. I mean, we had our chances. We could have won, but um, probably much more upset than we should be. 
you know. All right, let's start there. Let's start the Toledo game. Yeah. I think you make it. You make a great point. The fact is, it's just the the name Toledo is what really I think is causing a lot of angst because yes. I mean, if it was Boise State with a similar record, three and one. Uh, you know, athletes on the team, it, it's not as or, – or even the UCF, you know. Yeah. The fact is it, it's it's Toledo. I think that causes a lot of problems. Okay, yeah. so let's let's break this down a little bit. A couple weeks ago, you talked about before this game, you were 2-2. Two and two, You were happy with it moving forward. You were thinking of upping your, your, um, your expectations to eight wins. But mm-hmm. here you are. You go to Toledo, and it just it, – you know, you can't lose that game. But you did. You lost it. You're 2-3. and three. Where are you right now? What's, what, what, how are you hanging on? Where are you, San Bernardino? Here's here's the uh, our fan base is all over the place. We've we've had, of course, every after every win, we we get mad at Tom Homo saying, "Why haven't we extended Kalani yet?" And after every loss, we say, "Why are we still messing with these these scrubs? We got to get some real money and real coaches in here." It, it is kind of funny how I'm, you know, Twitter does that. It kind of exaggerates the extremes, and so you'll see a little bit more of those opinions that are out there. But we do see that all the time. My thing, if I'm going to criticize the coaches, I'm not going to criticize their decision making in the game because sometimes those work out and sometimes they don't. As I sit back. Do you remember our very first episode when I was crying for something that would make BYU return to glory? Do you remember what the thing was that I wanted on offense? The, at jump, least? Pa- the, jump, the jump pass. Yes, I wanted to build the offense around the jump pass, which maybe not necessarily that, but I wanted to do something innovated, innovative. You know, just like back in the real glory days when when Ty Detmer and Norm Chow and everybody, I mean, they were just launching downfield, and that was something college football was not familiar with. That has happened. I'm looking at Jeff Grimes, the way he's built the offense around the jet sweep, which can go so many different directions. If if our players got really, really, really good at that, that's tough to defend. And it's not jet sweep formation every play, but much more heavily than the average team. You know, and so there's a lot of creativity in the offense, and I love that. I'm not going to say let's get rid of Grimes because of that or let's get rid of Kalani because, you know, it's just not working out the way it is. Like, I like the decision-making of the coaches. My criticism, though, is the players show up, and the, the word that sticks out to me is undisciplined. They show up, and they're just making sloppy mistakes, uh, you know, pre-snap penalties, stupid decisions, like – it's on the players, which then you can say, okay, well, then that means it's also on the coaches for not getting the players ready. So I like the direction the coaches are going. I don't know how to clean up those little things, but I think if BYU could, we would be just fine. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, you know, uh, one one point you talked about a minute ago is you said after wins, extend Kalani. After losses, fire Kalani. Mm-hmm. That's what we love about football, man, is every yes. game is so freaking important that you have these wide swings in emotion. Every uh-huh. game makes up a huge part of the season, whereas basketball you can lose two or three in a row but then win eight or nine, and it's no big deal because it's the totality of the season. But right. each game's almost like a, a, a season in itself, right? Uh-huh. Each game. Um, and so back to this this Toledo game, where do you think uh, – what, what happened? Diagnose what happened, why, what, where the loss lies, where the blame lies, and what you what you expect, and what what you can do to fix it going forward. You know, I mean, that's just it. It was it was not one big thing. Maybe ten little things throughout the game where you'd say, okay, take that interception back, take that turnover back, which you then diagnose the play even further. Say, okay, that missed block, that missed assignment there, um, letting this guy get wide open. You know, 
little, little things. Fix that. We're just fine. You know, and, and we can compete not only with Toledo, but with the big boys. And sometimes it works out like we do have some good wins to hang our hat on this year. It, just when those little things don't go right. And, and that's why I'm saying a disciplined team. If we could somehow mentally get the players like I love Kalani. And to me, it strikes me as he's he's the loving coach. that's just like, hey, I love you, man. I'm, I'm there for you, man. I've got you, man. And that's cool. Like you can rally a team around you like that. But there's got to be something to just just clean up those little sloppy mistakes. That's that's all I want to see. And I know I am but one of the many fans. There are fans out there who say, no, 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 wait. We, we got to reset. We got to look for someone like Jay Hill. Or we got to bring in someone like, uh, I don't know what the other names are. I've even thought, you know, you get Bob and I back. Say, let's give him a shot at, at head coaching. I don't know if the if the uh, fences can be mended there, but if you offer him a head coaching position, he probably takes it. You know, I mean, there's there are options out there, and I think some of the fans are saying that's what we need to do right now. I'm, yeah. I'm not your, one of them, po- but I hear that. Your point to discipline, this is what's con- what would be concerning to me, is can, can a coach just flip on all of a sudden the discipline switch? You know, I mean, he's been here four years. Maybe just this is who he is as a head coach. Maybe we discussed earlier, maybe he's – meant to be a second man, meant to be a really good defensive coordinator when when he, under a head coach like Kyle Whittingham, who's a hard A, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and maybe that's how it is. So can can you just say, okay, you know what? I'm going to focus on discipline now, whereas maybe he – I don't know. I'm, what I'm saying is it, is it seems like that's either inherent or it's not, right? It's either well, yeah. innate or it's not. What I say when I mean discipline is you don't have to become a mean person. Like, because I, I'm, we're both in business, you and I, and and I'm sure our managerial styles aren't necessarily identical to each other's. The way I see it is, you can get the player to be disciplined without feeling like you're the parent that has the threat constantly hanging over them. You know, and just like an employee, you can get the most out of an employee in a loving way and in a kind way, but you got to emphasize, hey, this little thing that you're doing wrong matters to me and here's why it matters. And you help the employees see, you know, okay, this thing that might not seem like a big of a deal, here's why it matters. And you walk them through that. And then you you implement accountability and say, we're going to follow up. I'm going to have a conversation with you in two weeks and we're going to talk about this little thing that I'm not happy with and, and we'll talk about how you're doing. And you can do that and still express love, you know, and I, I, I could see Kalani being amazing at that, saying, okay, guys, this is what's wrong. This is how it's hurting us. Here's what we got to do. You hear this in, people use this in like church talks and everything like that. And I love this example. John Wooden, greatest all time, or one of the greatest all time basketball coaches, spent a, a long time, his whole career at UCLA or forever at UCLA. He would begin by saying, okay, day one, hour one of practice, let's talk about how we're going to tie our shoes. Because that's the best time to teach a basketball player how to tie his shoes. And every other team in the country, there's not enough time to focus on shoes. we got to start working on our offense. we got to start working on all these little things. But you know what? Especially when you go way, way back in time with you got like these very primitive shoes that just aren't great shoes, how you tie them, how they fit on your foot, making sure you have the right size, that will matter. And that matters in like every other place. So it's building the foundation. And, and that's the kind of thing I mean, is if you were to somehow just revamp your approach and say, all right, we got to work on all these little things. And that's what I mean by discipline. Get that together, clean up those mistakes, and then implement this wild, tricky, amazing jet sweep offense that I love, and it will be executed perfectly, and we'll never lose again. Gotcha. Yeah, that's the plan, right? I mean, I don't know why they don't follow that. 
Um, you know, you bring, you bring up discipline. I remember hearing Morgan Scally talk one time. This is when he was just post playing Utah, so before he was a, or playing Utah, so before he was a coach. Yeah, he talked about Urban Meyer. So he played under Ron McBride and he played under Urban Meyer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, I remember him saying in this, I can't remember, it was, it was some sort of like business gathering. I don't remember what it was for. I think it was when I worked at ADP and we had a special speaker. I, I can't remember. It was, it was you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Um, but he, 15 years ago. He said was when Urban Meyer came in, they were practicing special teams and he was on the special teams kickoff team. Mm-hmm. And he he ran everything like he thought he was supposed to, but Urban Meyer blew the whistle and started yelling at him, cussing into him, laying, cussing, yelling at him, um, reaming him, really. And, and Scali didn't know why. And, and he said, told him that you were off your line by a yard and a half. I guess he had his, his line to cover on the kickoff, and he was off by a yard and a half. Mm-hmm. And Scali said, said to him, Coach, it was just a yard and a half. And he said at that point that was the worst thing he could have said mm-hmm. because Urban Meyer ripped into him more and said, you want to know about what a yard and a half means? And just ripped into him about how if you're off a yard and a half, a player can get, can get by you, and that's a touchdown, and that's a game, and that's a freaking – lost job you know and mm. so he was so exact in his discipline his details that a yard and a half off of where he was supposed to be on his line on the kickoff urban meyer made a huge deal and he, he always remembered that that all the details matter right mm. so when you go back to discipline um i i think personally discipline yes like you said earlier each person like we don't you know we're in business and so we have employees I've noticed in my businesses, each employee has to be treated different. I, I have a culture that I've established mm-hmm. um, in, my, in my businesses, but each one reacts differently to certain things. And so you've got to find what works for each person to motivate them and get them in line. And I, I just, I don't know how, if that's something you can just all of a sudden focus on and switch, but I hope so. Because like I've said a million times, I love Sataki. I think he's a great guy and I don't want him to lose a job especially one that he's wanted his whole life right yeah i mean th- these jobs don't come around often it's not like you and i where we can just move to another company or start another business or something in what we do i mean it would be like you like there's only one dental office in the country and you want to work there and you, you you get that job you know and yeah yeah i don't know so I, I, I hope he figures it out i i don't know if that's a switch that you can flip at this point in the season my ideal how how to fix this is that somebody he listens to like somebody and i hope he doesn't listen to me because i my football resume is not you should not listen to me <laughs> i'm sitting Low at football home. iq podcast I'm, I'm distra- man. exactly i'm eating cashews we've built, and we've yelling. built our we've built this podcast on our low football iq so yes hopefully they're not listening to us what i would hope though is somebody who has his ear like a mentor like kyle whittingham or somebody like tom homo somebody that he would listen to is maybe seeing the same thing and maybe giving him that advice saying, hey, next season, spring ball, you know, don't implement the playbook for, for a week or for two weeks or for three weeks. Like, clean up these little things at that point in time and, and build around that. And, yeah, I could be way off. I could be wrong. But that's – if I'm going to – if someone challenged me with the task of fixing this BYU football program with this staff and this personnel – I'd say maybe let's take a closer look at that. And again, and you, don't listen to me. I'm just you, a fan. No, you're. And the good thing is, there's all. You know, we can always change. There's time for change. I look at Kyle Whittingham. He, I feel like, is an awesome coach. Um, uh-huh. I think that his his record bears that out. Um, but he he started out following Urban Meyer. First year went seven and six. Second year eight and five. And in a, in his third year, we had gone down to Las Vegas. 
against UNLV and got shut out 27 nothing uh-huh. at UNLV to fall to 1-3. and three. And I remember thinking, driving back from that game, I was talking to my brother, I was like, he's done. There's no yeah. way. He's, he sucks. He took this machine that Urban Meyer had running and he drove it in the ground. But you know what? He figured out how to change and how to morph, and boom. He won, I think, like his next seven games, and then the next year we went undefeated 13-0, and, and he's had a winning program ever since then. So there is mm-hmm. there is the ability to continue to grow and change, so hopefully yeah. Satake can figure it out because you look at it, he's 22-22. and 22. I mean, That's yeah. the definition of, of mediocrity, you know? Right. 22-22, and 22. so hopefully he can figure it out. But back, let's go back to this Toledo game to kind of wrap it up. You lose 28-21. Who uh, are there? Any players that stuck out to you that you can build upon that you you're happy with? And then also we can talk about Zach Wilson's future after his injury. Yeah, that's what I was gonna bring up. I I don't know. Nobody in that game specifically stood out to me as wow. Look at that baller. I mean, all season there's been the names Diane Gunwalaku and Kyrus Tonga that are just they've they've got futures in the game. Um, you know, so going forward, yeah, they're they're the bright spots we continue to build upon. But this game specifically, no, nah, no one's really jumping out at me. But yeah, that play uh, after losing uh, Williams, you know, a couple weeks earlier, now losing uh, Zach Wilson. I mean, this is those are the two bright spots. Like if we were going into the first few games, those are the two bright spots of the program. Now they're now gone. So the thing though, I'm excited to see is when something like this happens, you really get a feel for okay, the way we designed the offense, how does it work if we interchange people? You know, if we put this person in and that person in, I don't think we're that bad. I, from what I heard in fall, in spring spring ball and then fall camp, uh, Jaron Hall, so Zach Wilson to Jaron Hall, I don't think is a drastic drop-off. People were really impressed with Jaron Hall's ability uh, early in, you know, when they're watching the scrimmages and things like that. I do think Jaron Hall down to the three and four, which I was just reading, uh, Taylor Romney and or Baylor Romney and um, Joe Critchlow, they are now co backups. There's not really one that's ahead of the other. They have different styles. Uh, Romney can run. Critchlow's more of a pocket passer. But I think the drop off from Hall to those two is drastic. So I think we'll be okay unless you know. I mean, we've got a few games to get through to keep him healthy before Zach Wilson can come back. So I'm not panicking yet with Jaron Hall at the helm. I think this will be exciting to see how he does. I'm looking forward to it. If he goes down, I am panicking. I'm saying, all right, at that point, we maybe need to redesign the offense a little bit to the abilities of the players we have. Sure, sure. Um, so I know there's a little spe- there's speculation on exactly how Zach Wilson broke his hand. Nobody's ever said. Uh, you know, you can go into the message board rumors or whatever. I, you know, you, so there were some people who were saying that he punched something after his interception and broke oh, his hand. Away. I hadn't heard that. I haven't gone on these message boards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I get shame to admit that I did go okay. on some message boards. That's all right. That was, it's, it's there for Ute fans that, anyway. It's not there for rational BYU fans. It's there for irrational BYU fans and Ute fans. So you know, perfect, that, that's perfect. why it's there. But uh, that was one of the rumors, and I obviously don't know, and nobody said anything. But you you didn't see on the TV after his interception, he didn't look like he ran off holding his hand. But they didn't really show him, from what I recall. So who knows? I guess you haven't heard then anything about no, it. Well, what I had heard just uh, initially when it happened was that it was in the uh, after the interception when you know quarterbacks are running around trying to tackle, trying to you know avoid being blocked, whatever. But I, I will admit I didn't actually watch that. I just assumed, yeah, he got hurt in the play after the interception happened, but he was still in play. 
Because that, that is a dangerous time for quarterbacks. That's when one of the all-time greatest high school quarterbacks, Mr. Jason Street, went down. If you remember that. Do you remember when he had his neck injury? Terrible, Changed dude. the course of the whole season. The whole season and then his his his, his whole Bay life. Lila. Yeah, his Bay uh, Lila started looking around too, man. Lila Gary. Yeah. I oh. mean it could, so that that post interception, you know, play where the quarterback's still out trying to make a play. I, I thought it was that kind of a thing, but I don't know. I, I would be interested in go back and watching some film on that. You lose your starting position, you lose your girl, you lose it all if you throw an interception. That, that reminds so that, me, this that, is not football-related, but I thought it was kind of funny and entertaining and worth bringing up. Somebody had pointed out, um, what's his name, Sean Hannity, <laughs> who the right-wing political segment of this country I think has had a rough couple of weeks. He On his show from just last week, you can see that all of his knuckles are bleeding. Like He very obviously punched something last really? week and and it was visible on camera yeah like punched a wall or something like that so i don't know that that'd be sad if it was i mean that, that add embarrassment to the uh to the anger and the frustration and everything i mean i i could see why he wouldn't want that to get out but he's a competitor so you know yeah punch a wall and well, dude, be a competitor and I, I i wouldn't fault him for that but i can understand how he'd be embarrassed we've all played I mean, we've all played sports you know it, it, it's easy to be upset i mean I've told you I play pickleball. There's yeah. times where I want to chuck my freaking racket through the <laughs> fence, and there's been a couple times where I have. Man. Yeah. Um, anyway, so wrap up Cougars. They play uh, – we'll, we'll get back to who we play next yeah. coming up, but let's preview. let's go back to the Ute game. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. uh, Holy cow. Utah, man. I tell you what, after the way the USC game unfolded, there was despair. There was mm-hmm. weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Everything was, was horrible. In comes – Wazoo, who's averaging 52 freaking points a game, yeah. right? And we have struggled with Wazoo since Mike Leach has been there. And we came out and we played almost a perfect game on mm-hmm. both sides of the ball. I mean, to hold Washington State to one touchdown in the game, one yeah. touchdown in the game, when the week before their quarterback threw for nine, um, one touchdown in the game was absolutely freaking incredible. Uh, the atmosphere was was awesome, was electric. And uh, it was a lot of fun. We had no Zach Moss, but our backup running backs, Devonta Henry Cole and Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore, all carried the rock. They all look good. I've been super impressed with the play calling this year. I've said it before. But really, you know, Kyle Whittingham started his coaching career with Andy Ludwig as offensive coordinator. He had four solid good years with them. And after that, he just chugged through, as we know. We don't need to go over the names again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 10, 11, whatever it was, offensive coordinators. Yeah. And I think that whole time he was going through these people, he was looking for the next Andy Ludwig mm-hmm. because he liked the way Andy Ludwig would ball control offense with the running. Um, and he brought him back, and he's he's been he's been incredible. Our offense is in the top 15 in uh, in – in so many metrics, which has never happens with our Utah offense. Yeah, Tyler Huntley looks incredible. Yeah, he's got he started the year so awesome. He's in the top ten in QBR ratings, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions. But he's also going deep. He's averaging like eleven yards per attempt, which is which is pretty big. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of deep balls against Washington State alone. He threw a fifty-four yard pass. He had a fifty-two yard pass. Long touchdowns down the field. He just looks awesome. He looks yeah. like a senior who's controlling the offense, controlling the game, and he's he's my player of the game from this game because he just he looked incredible. He had uh, two touchdown passes, he had over 300 yards throwing, and he just uh just looked awesome. So, we came out, we uh disposed of Washington State. Maybe they're not what they used to be the last couple of years, but still, they're an offense that scored a lot and we held them to 13 points, zero 
in the second half. Zero points in the second half. And that's been our hallmark this year is second half, we step it up. You look at the game against BYU, it's 9-6 going into halftime, right? We come out, we win 30-12. to You look at the game against Washington State, it's uh, I think it was 21-13 at half. We come out, hold them scoreless in the second half. All season long, we've looked better in the second yeah. half than we have the first half. So um, the, the the outlook on Utah football from what it was before the Washington State game to what it is now is night and day different. I'm energized again. I'm pumped again. We just we look awesome. Two things on that. It's it's restored my faith in the hype on the Utah secondary because after USC, I thought, well, yeah, they're a great secondary until they're outmatched talent-wise. You know, you get these big receivers that are fast and are awesome and, and they can't contain them, but they'll contain everyone else. And no, they, they shut down a very prolific passing game, so hats off to them. They are as billed. And then Tyler Huntley, you know, the concerns some of us had going into this season was decision-making, you know, that sometimes he tucks and runs before he needs to because that's what athletes do is they say, forget this, I'm going to do it by myself without letting the play unfold. The only times I've seen him tuck and run this year, it's been the right decision. He'll get in the end zone yeah. or he'll rip off a huge chunk. Yeah, he's made some good good decisions. In fact, there were two plays specifically in this Washington State game that stick out to me. End of the first half, we're up 14-13, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, we're driving. There's like two and a half minutes left. We've got the ball. Um, Washington State has just scored, I think, two field goals to cut it to 14-13. It's third and 12. We're on our own 20. There's pressure that comes up. Huntley sidesteps it, rushes up in the pocket, but as you said, he keeps his eyes up field, and off of one foot, he throws a dart that's 40 yards in the air to Solomon Enos along mm. the sideline for like a 40-yard gain, and that extended the drive, which eventually ended in a touchdown to give us a 21-13 lead at halftime. So the fact that he didn't scramble there but kept his eyes up and made a yeah. play, that was huge. And then in the second half, uh, I think we're up – I think we're only up 9 or 11 at this point. It's another third down, and he does the same thing. He gets kind of pushed around the pocket. He scrambles right. He throws it to the sideline to Solomon Enos again, who bobbles it, but then catches it, gets a foot in. They initially call it incomplete, but review it. It's complete, and we go down and score. And those two plays are huge because, like you said, people in the past said, oh, he's a running quarterback. He tends to tuck it and run. But on these two plays specifically, he kept his eyes up, found receivers open, converted a first down, extended the drive, and we scored on both of them. Two huge plays. So that's the difference, man, between a sophomore and a senior quarterback. Because when For he was sure. a sophomore, he would do stuff like this. But over the ga- over the seasoning, over the last couple of years, he's dude, a senior quarterback is so vital and so important. And mm. he's, he's seen it all. Four years of whatever. He's played these teams multiple times. He knows what their tendencies are. And you can totally see he looks awesome. And I'm going to say that he's our best quarterback since the great Alex Smith. Yeah, which you know isn't a huge so. leap, but I mean, you, I mean, we've had you know, it, it's either he or Travis Wilson, but we've had we've churned through guys, but he just he just has control of this offense, and he looks like he's he's just a gamer, dude. He's just a gamer. He makes plays. He makes makes things happen. So I'm really happy with the way he's looking and how how they're playing, and they just they look good. And the way the schedule sets up is we can run off a few uh, some big wins here uh, to get to to pad our our win record. We got. Oregon State on the road, that should be a win. And then we have two good teams at home. Not, not in my opinion, great teams, but good teams. Arizona State and Cal both have been ranked at some point or are currently ranked now. Mm. But I think we're still better than both of them. They're both at home. I think we win both. I think we're 7-1 and one going into Washington, which will be a huge, huge road game. Um, at that point, we'll be back. If, if that happens, we'll be back in the top 10, I think. Yeah. And we'll have all the hype around us again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to add, too, how good it must feel for uh, – 
Tyler Huntley after after the local media said that he was the worst quarterback in the nation and that Utah would be better off using an offensive lineman as quarterback because he just he couldn't hold a football and didn't even know how to put a helmet on. Like, it, how thank good, you. What a good redemption story for him. Yeah, thank you, man. They have they have. They have crapped on Tyler Huntley. I mean, I think people called for him to be like put in jail because he was so bad, right? <laughs> but uh, no, here's the funny thing about this. I see what you're getting at. Yeah, is there is a, there is a lively discussion right now on Twitter who's the best quarterback in the state? Yeah, um, and Utah fans are, including myself, are extremely boisterous about this. Um, Aggie fans, bless their heart. I don't know who the hell they think they are, but they have been talking so much crap lately. Yeah, and their quarterback is looking terrible. But the fact of the matter is, we feel like we're disrespected year after year in the yeah. media, and and BYU quarterbacks are automatically put on a pedestal, whether it's deserved or not. That's that's from my perspective uh-huh. how we feel it's viewed, right? Obviously, you have a different perspective. So it just feels good to go out there and see our quarterback kicking so much trash yeah. and looking awesome after. I mean, perfect example. We've talked about this after I think it was Idaho State or Northern Illinois. I can't remember which game. Tyler Huntley had a really good game. Then he completed this touchdown pass that was on a corner post route, a post corner route in the end zone at Brian Thompson. And I get on the radio in the car after the post game, and the first five minutes, all they're talking about is how that throw is not going to work against a better team. They didn't talk about how he <laughs> threw over three hundred yards, had no interceptions, looked great. That was all he talked about. It was on twelve eighty. Oh, Tyler! It was Austin Horton. Oh, Tyler Huntley did not look like he could throw the pass. Per- Perfectly to the corner. That's good. You know, that's how he's going. And it made yeah. me so pissed because they were just picking apart this teeny thing. His pass was a tiny bit behind. It was still a touchdown. So that's what I'm saying. We're viewed constantly through that lens as not good enough. And so to see Tyler Huntley just rolling makes yeah. me feel good. And I know you, you you probably disagree with a little bit what I said. But again, just to reiterate, I'm a Utah homer. You're a BYU homer. And that's what this podcast is all about. So I, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I'm I'm not local. So I all I see is what the local media says on Twitter. I don't ever actually listen to local media, but I do think there is a bit of a snowball effect where one or two fans can can pick apart something someone said on the radio, and then their minions will then run with it, and then it just it does kind of get amplified way more than it should. I mean, he's a great quarterback. Uh, I'm okay saying he's the best best quarterback in the state right now. Absolutely, um, course of the whole season or course of their whole careers, probably. You know, but the thing is, Zach Wilson still has time. He may eclipse him. That and that's not me being a homer. That's saying, hey, we're we're dealing with their careers aren't lining up. You know, exactly evenly. There's just there's possibilities out there. Uh, and then Love, you know, you'd say, yeah, he's surrounded by inferior talent. So these same metrics that we're using, I don't know if you can compare head to head. So I understand how it would be tough to to try to be unbiased and do a, a honest comparison there because in a lot of ways they're apples and oranges uh what i do see though is it it sort of evolves into a little bit of a persecution complex and and that's the way it comes across is like oh man they're dissing our guy this and that and this and that the other thing to to keep in mind too uh tyler huntley grew up not anywhere near here uh love i don't think he's from anywhere near here either do you know where he's he grew up california okay zach wilson he's he's been one of us you know i say us i'm not a part of Utah anymore, but like he's local, you know? And so 
the media is going to love that. He's the story that like, hey, this is our guy who looked what he's doing now. You know, just just as the same as if one of our local high school athletes was out there balling out for Notre Dame or someone else, you know, that'd still be a story of local interest. So yet just because of that fact, I would say Zach Wilson is maybe entitled to just a little more airtime because that's what the local consumers would want to see. You know, if somebody was was completely like, let's say I'm an equal fan of all the local in-state schools, he's a local guy. You know, so yeah, he's going to get a little bit more love from them just on that alone. And yeah, that can kind of come across as like, oh man, they hate, they, they always diss on Utah and love BYU and they're irrational. And, you know, I can see how it can kind of come across that way. Yeah, no, I, I agree um, to, to an extent on, on certain things. Um, but like you said, my opinion being slightly slanted towards the red mm. is it just, it just BYU quarterbacks are given the benefit of the doubt and hyped up immediately from the get-go. Yeah. Um, at least it's been that way the last 15 years, in my opinion. It's like, oh, my gosh, here comes Jake Heaps, Elite 11. He's going to be the greatest <laughs> thing ever. He's the next Aaron Rodgers out. Here comes Tanner Mangum. Oh, my gosh, he's going to be the next. Here comes T- Taysom Hill. Look how big and strong he's going to be. Here comes freaking Zach Wilson. He's the next Baker Mayfield. Oh, my gosh. It's just – it's like, dude – Pump chill out on that Pump man let's go let's freaking and then in the meanwhile utah just churns out the victories over byu and we have to hear this crap over and over that's from my and i admit i'm a Ute homer but from my perspective that's what i see yeah and so that's why when when something like zach tyler huntley starts playing awesome you're right there's an echo chamber and i i, I specifically mentioned the thing i said about the austin horton on 1280 the zone um and his comment, because you're right, in the past, before Twitter, he says that people are a little upset in their car, but it's over. Mm. Now with Twitter, I bring it up, and now it's become a thing. Yeah. Every time yeah, yeah. Tyler Huntley does anything, we people tag Austin Horton. Was that was that past accurate enough for you? <laughs> so you're right. There's a major echo chamber, and that's the, that's the problem with Twitter. And, dude, we just spent all weekend listening to conference, and all, how many times did they mention social media? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Terrible. Yeah. It was over. They mentioned so many times wasting your time on social media. Uh-huh. And they're speaking directly to me, but I can't help it. I'm too entrenched. <laughs> I'm in there. So, yeah. But, yeah, dude, social media, again, skews things. And I, that's just kind of where we're at. It's, it's one thing, though, to use that to enhance this part of your life, like your your hobby. You know, like you're passionate about Utah football. I'm sure you learn things about Utah football via Twitter that you otherwise wouldn't know. And I'm sure you appreciate that. The, the trap for me comes in when I, I just get sucked into where it's like, no, 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 these are my friends. This is my family. I'm just going to – and I do that. I'll admit right off the bat, five, ten times a day, open Twitter, just see what's going on. And then it's like, okay, now we have discussion about hamburgers or whatever, you know? Like it can it yeah. can suck you in in a lot of ways that aren't healthy. I mean, hamburgers are fine, it, but – dude. No, I know what yeah. you mean. Absolutely, absolutely, and and that's why I personally try to take every summer a break from it. Yes, because I the only reason I do use it is for sports. That's why I got on it. That's why how I keep up with stuff. Um, but you're right. I, I we've got we developed these relationships with people. I mean, I look at someone like we've mentioned him before, D God twenty three on here. That guy's a total a hole on Twitter, and I hate his guts. <laughs> uh-huh. But but like he's one of my best friends in real life, and I met him through Twitter. Yeah, we started traveling. We we traveled the games together, and because we have this passion for the Utah football in common, and so you develop these like you say these friendships. You know, I mean, I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm gonna watch the game with with uh, Caleb this weekend in Florida. You know, um, just because we've developed these relationships over years, but it's it is, dude, it's unhealthy. It it sucks. I wish I could cut it out, but I can't because the there's so many good things to it. 
it's like anything else, you know, all things in moderation. I wish I could figure it out, but anyway, yeah. that's a, a, a random rant about Twitter. I'm going to circle back a little bit, and I think I've I've discussed this program before on this podcast. Uh, Haters, Anatomy of a Rivalry is one of the most mind-blowing documentaries I've seen. I think it was produced by Fox Sports, uh, and I don't know if it, it might be available on Amazon. You have to pay for it. But they went through kind of the psychology of being a sports fan in a way that just blew my mind. And the, the main takeaway from that was no matter how you see your rival's fan base, you're wrong. Like you're looking through a skewed lens and they're looking at you through a skewed lens. And like, we're all the same. Like if, and, and they would hate it. And we've used this before. If you were to take the, the New York Yankees fan base and the Boston Red Sox fan base, they are more similar to each other than they are any other fan base in major league. Like the Kansas city fans base is going to be nothing like either of them. And they would look at each other and say, no, 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 no. we're opposite ends of the spectrum. We're the best and they're the worst. But, but coming from the point of view of, I don't care about either team, they're identical. They're just like each other. And I see so much of that in this rivalry where you've got kind of the mixture of religion in there. You know, if you look at the Utah fan base and compare them to the rest of the Pac-12, Colorado's not more similar to BYU. You know, Cal is definitely not more similar to BYU. Utah is very much like BYU, in, and not just in the religious ways, but like the way we talk, the way we act, and the way we get irrational about things. And And here's why I brought that up. This is why I'm circling back. BYU, you've mentioned a string of Elite 11 champions and the hype that goes with that. There was about one season, I think, or one offseason when Utah had that. Do you remember your your most recent um, Elite 11 recruit? I will not say his name <laughs> because he's screwed everything up. I he, hate his guts. He who must not be named. During the time, though, because you could do Twitter searches and see, because people love doing this. They're like, oh, yeah, go search the hype for um, Tanner Mangum Heisman. And they're right. There's a few BYU fans that are like, yeah, this this guy's going to win the Heisman. And, and that's me. That's my bias. I'll say that, saying there was just a few. There was a lot of Ute fans talking about the U, the BYU fans. And so when you find the names Mangum and Heisman, like that's kind of what evolves. It was exactly the same with Tuttle. Like there was not a difference there because he came with hype because of the Elite Eleven because he had accomplishments before college ball, and so it, it happens both ways. Yeah, no, you know what you you mentioned it, and this is just being real. If you were to strip away my Utah fandom, you're right. I am more like BYU fans than I am any other fan in the country. You know, we share the same religion. I look at dudes on Twitter that I that I love and respect, like you and Kyle um, Ysoup and Dr. Jason Polson. These are good dudes who I want to be like in real life, right? And the truth mm. is, I grew up in Utah. They grew up in Utah. We're white Mormon people, so I'm more <laughs> like them than anything else, than any other fan base in the country. I'm more like a BYU fans than any other fans in the country. But I hate BYU fans. <laughs> I hate their school, and I want them to lose every game because they're the worst. You have to. That's another thing we have in common, too. i got to point this out. I get more frustrated with BYU fans than anyone else on Twitter. And it's it's kind of the same with like even with like our religion, like people who are out there talking about religion all day. And I see the way some people choose to disagree with those who attack our faith. And I think, man, I am ashamed of that response. I wish they wouldn't represent me out there. And so it's my own fans are more frustrating to me than anybody who's attacking my fans. Yeah, well, I don't want to get too religious here, but you look at like the Des Nat people. Yes, that's just like I can't stand. I can't stand. That's not how. That's not how the Lord went about His life. 
you no. know? Yeah. And not, okay, we're not, we're not going to get religious, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Those, they're the worst. And I think that's, I don't know, that, that maybe is like a litmus test to um, to character. I guess. And, and here I am propping myself up as an example, saying I have character. But, like, <laughs> you know, we strip away, like, name two rivals, like, okay, the Dodgers and the Giants. A Dodgers fan who is more upset with things that Giant fans say than other Dodgers fans say probably is of low character. You know, whereas if you feel like, I don't know, what you say matters and you're representing something you believe in, you're going to be more frustrated with your own kind that are out there doing what, in your opinion, is the wrong way. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I agree with all that. So at the end of the day, we should, let's all just get a big group hug and, yes. and, and realize, dude, it's just freaking sports. You know what? Yeah. You and I, we both deal with – everyone, we all deal with real-life problems, real-life sure. stresses. You see the stories that are just heartbreaking of sicknesses with kids and deaths, and you look at this as a stupid freaking game, and it means nothing. It means nothing at all. Right. But since this is a football podcast, we'll go back to talking football yeah. and sports hey, and life. We should cover the uh, the bye week. Um, some interesting things happened in the Pac-12 during the bye week. How do you feel about all of the developments? Uh, well, specifically, I mean, I, 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 let's start with Washington losing to Stanford. Yes. Um, I think that was disastrous for the Pac-12 okay. because we need we need the conference to be elevated. And the thing is, there's there's this narrative that's been over the Pac-12 the last five or six years. I think there's some merit to it. Yeah. People are like, oh, they're barely a P5 conference. It goes back to what we said earlier. We just don't have a super elite team. Uh-huh. Nobody is, is ripping on the ACC. Nobody. Why? Because Clemson is a freaking – Dude, you know, they're a team out there, right? They are a, a high-level, awesome team. But the fact is, you take away Clemson, the ACC versus the Pac-12 after that, the Pac-12 would, in my opinion, dominate them because we have so many good mid-level teams, but we don't have a super elite team, and that's what screws us. Yeah. So we need we need the elite teams to look well, and Washington went to Stanford and lost. And Stanford is not the Stanford of the years past. They're just kind of a middle-of-the-road Pac-12 team. But they beat up Washington, and it does not help our image at all. So that's that's bad news, what mm-hmm. happened there. What else? Are you, what else Is there something specifically you're referencing? No, that well, there was that. And then um, Washington State, what did they do? The, I think that game stood out. They... they had a bye. They had a bye. No, no, okay, this was it. It was them. It was the uh, uh, in transverse property of sports where UCLA – who went toe to toe with Washington State, then just and got beat them. Yeah. Oh yeah. They they did. I mean, it was it was a very even game, and they ended up beating Washington State. Then goes and gets uh and then gets beat by Oregon State, and so again, that's a lot of dots to connect. But if I'm a Utah fan watching that, I think, oh well, shoot. Now our Washington State win, which was very impressive, maybe doesn't have quite the same merit if Washington State, it turns out, is one of the bottom dwellers when the season ends. You know they. They yep. didn't look. It didn't look great for them. I can get with that. The, and we've earned, we've earned. We, you know, there's kind of a thing called the conference of cannibals now. Yeah. Where it's like we just eat. We eat our own. We do. We, we don't have a super elite team, and we're out, been out of the playoffs two years in a row. And it looks like for the third year in a row, we're not gonna have a playoff team, and it sucks. But the thing, the thing that why I, I find the Washington State game still gives me energy is because they, they did lose to UCLA, but they still put up 63 freaking points, yeah. and we held them to 13. So our, I'm really pumped about our defense holding that offense to 13 points. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, the thing is, each and every week in the Pac-12, 
It doesn't matter. You can't predict what's going to happen. Someone's going to win a game they shouldn't, and someone's going to lose a game they shouldn't, and it overall drags the quality of the conference down, in my opinion, based on national perception And until we have a super elite team, and we don't. And that's why it's like, dude, it's like all eyes on USC. Like, come on, get your crap together. Right. You know, you are the traditional super elite power. You have the pick of whoever you freaking want in the conference, but you've sucked the last 10 years. Yeah. You know, yeah. through Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian and now Clay Hilton, it's like, I didn't want this to happen, but I need we need them to get Urban Meyer. We need yeah. it to get our conference respect back because we need them to be a super elite. But there's still a small, a small hope if Utah can win out, which I think is a possibility, but I wouldn't bet on it. Mm-hmm. And if Oregon can win out, which is a possibility, I wouldn't bet on it. Then it'd be two 11-1 teams in the Pac-12 t- championship game. And at that point, they'd both be top 10. And I think at that point, depending on what happens to other conferences, if it's two 11-1 teams, I think the winner of that game could go to the playoff at 12-1, depending, again, if other teams lose. I think so. Um, Another thing yeah. to point out, too, you mentioned the ACC. I saw some numbers this week from um, Garrett, and, and um, his, his handle's not coming to my mind right now, but he pointed out some numbers where if you, if you look at the ACC is closer to the AAC than any other of the pack f- or the Power Five conferences. I mean, they're right there, just barely a step ahead of them. And then not even taking out Clemson because it's easy to say let's disregard Clemson and then see where they are. If you take the AAC and throw out UConn and say, okay, we're just going to look at the rest of that conference, they they leapfrog over the ACC. So the AAC, the American Conference, they're looking pretty good. They're looking like they're – I mean, for years they've been saying we're the Power 6 team, we're P6 and this and that, and, and it, everyone uh-huh. kind of laughs uh-huh. at them behind their back or to their faces because uh-huh. that's stupid to say that. But they're not wrong this year. I mean, they are right yeah, there no. next to the ACC. I agree, and it, it comes back to my point. If you do have a super elite power, nobody questions your conference. Yeah. You look at every, You look at all the other four The other four power five conferences, Clemson, the ACC, the SEC, they have two or three, Bama, uh, Georgia, whatever, uh-huh. uh, Ohio State in the Big Ten, and Oklahoma in the Big 12. They all have a super elite team, and the Pac-12 doesn't, and that's the number one thing, in my opinion, that is hurting us because yeah. we don't have a super elite team, and we need to get that back. So USC, get your crap together, man. Let's go Yeah. because – uh, a rising tide raises all ships, man. If we had a number three USC, everyone's like, dude, look at Utah. They're hanging in that conference. Look at Oregon. That's a good conference. But no, we don't. So it's like, aha, Pac-12 sucks. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's it is the it's the circle of suck. The uh, the cannibalizing conference. Looking ahead to next week, uh, who does Utah have? Utah goes to Oregon State. So uh, we oh, we go okay. to Oregon State this weekend. Uh, I think Utah's favored by 13. Last I checked, yeah. Oregon State. While they they suck, they haven't. They're not the level of suckitude they used to be. Yeah. Um. They've got playmakers. They got a good wide receiver, a decent quarterback, and really good running game. I think we go in there though. Um. My prediction is we go in there. Zach Moss. I expect to be back. That's what people are saying. And we have we we've proved we have good running back depth, but still. Zach Moss is still head and shoulders the best, obviously. Zach Moss is back. Huntley, if he can just keep playing, not even on the elite level he's played the last couple games, but just keep playing good. Um, and our defense is is playing awesome. Um, I think we go in there. I think we win something like 34-17, to 17, two touchdown victory, um, maybe three-score victory, and we come away with a, with a good win. And my prediction is that's the 34-17. Player of the game is Zach Moss, a healthy Zach Moss, going to run for 100-plus yards, a couple touchdowns. And uh, get that victory, put us at five and one. Would you? And given this is a this is a decision for the coaching staff, but I would almost like to see Zach have um, a solid first quarter, half the second quarter, and then 
let's not overdo it, you know, ease him back into things. But I mean, yeah, if, I mean, it's that. It, go ahead. It's it's that balance that we talked about a few episodes ago of of sitting people versus getting your numbers because you're yeah. there to play. You know, you only have twelve opportunities all year, so we might as well give him give him some touches. But that's the thing is is we we have such good running back depth that if he plays or doesn't, I don't think it's going to affect us. But sure. I think yeah, I think uh, if we can build a big lead, you know, play him first half only, and yeah. and that's it. So that's our game. Nice. I expect to win. Um, we usually play pretty well on the road. Um, so as far as BYU goes, what you got this week? We are heading to USF down in South Florida, uh, and I like it. They they're without their starting quarterback. They've got a backup quarterback in who is not great, which would be good for us. Now he can run, and so that makes me a little bit nervous because our guys can get caught sleeping sometimes. So uh, watch out for us to give up a few thirty forty yard runs that are just frustrating as can be. Um, but he's not a great passer, which I think our secondary can really take advantage of. Uh, again, I still feel BYU, their strength is shutting down the run. So if you have somebody who's just not an accurate downfield passer, I think that's the story of the game. I think BYU's defense wins this game. I think it's a good chance for the new-look offense to get some experience. Uh, this is kind of like a, a big Power 5 team starting out the season with a few cupcake games. You know, we've got we've got some new players. I like that we have this sh- quote-unquote easy win, you know, a should-win game. I think this is one of the first times, if BYU has been favored this year, it has not been by much. I think we weren't favored at Toledo, and I'd be surprised if we were favored going into any of those first four. BYU for the first I time. It, oh, go ahead. I think you were favored by, I think it was two favored at Toledo by two. Oh, okay. Recall. So favored, uh, yeah. barely favored at Toledo. I think we're favored by like six or seven here. Um, so I like being in that position. I, it, it's it, We should win. I'd be surprised if we don't. Uh, and I'm expecting it to be two or three touchdowns. Um, that we come away looking good. The team looks sharp, which is exactly what we need because the next two games are looking tougher. Well, the next game specifically looks a lot tougher than it did preseason. Boise State sitting at number 14 right now, undefeated. Uh, that may be a bigger challenge. Preseason, it was like, yeah, BYU, Utah State, Boise State, those are all kind of coin toss games. Uh, Boise State's going to be tall order, so this will be a good one to get ready for that one. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see Jaron Hall, how he plays, because you've seen him in spot backup play. He's super quick, super athletic. He reminds me a little bit of um, Utah had a quarterback several years ago, backup Corbin Laux was just a mm. specialized runner. He yeah. was a really good runner. Um, I, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they utilize that. I don't know if they'll do a lot of zone read, design quarterback runs, but it, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see how they utilize them. So should be a fun game. So what's yeah. your, what did you say your score prediction was again? Uh, let's see. Let's go with the score of BYU 28, USF 7. I think uh, USF's going to ha- have a tough time finding the end zone. So we'll go 28-7. BYU will, okay. uh, on top of that, they will evenly space out their t- – they'll have one touchdown every quarter. They'll just keep it interesting okay. the whole time. Give us just enough that we can still be mad at the coaches, but but show some promise where we'll start buying in that we can beat Boise State. Gotcha. And and we talked about this before we started recording. Um, you're trying to get me to go to that game. Yes. I'm going to be down there in Florida doing a, a – uh, we're down there for Disney World this week. My family and we're doing a uh, tour of a, a gator or a uh, swamp tour that yeah. day um we're not going to disney world that day doing a swamp tour and i'll be within like 45 minutes of tampa bay area 
So you're trying to get me to dress up in my Ute gear and go to the game oh, so yeah. I can tweet about me. Look at this stupid Ute fan <laughs> at the game. What an idiot. I would love that, especially because we'd all recognize you. We'd be like, he's so petty. Look at him. Look at how pathetic that is. I barely have enough time in my life to support one team. I'm important. Yeah, exactly. What, what about this Lucky. schlub? He must be a loser with no time, with no time, nothing to do in his life. That's right. Lucky for, for me and my, my future viral tweets or going future viral memes, I will not be at that game. Game. Oh man! Um, but I have the Utah game is later that night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. My friend Caleb on Twitter, 40 Uter. A lot of people know him on both sides. He and I are getting together at a sports bar. We're going to watch that game there. Power couple watching it at a, <laughs> in a, in a sports that bar awesome. in Florida. So yeah, yeah, enjoy. I remember years and years ago, the San Diego Chargers had some wildfires around their stadium, and they they had a game that had to be moved. With, with not much notice. And so I think it was the Patriots and Chargers played each other in Arizona. And because it was just this random, like, okay, we just moved the game, I don't know if it was free tickets or dirt cheap tickets. I think they were free tickets. It was like, yeah, it would just show up. You can go to the game. And so my wife, this was before we met, uh, went to that game. And so she told me it was the coolest atmosphere because people were in that stadium in Arizona wearing jerseys of every NFL team. It was just like this oh, cool. smorgasbord of fans of whoever. And it was a cool environment because they're watching an NFL game that very few of them had an allegiance to, and they're just there to have a good time. And that's that's how I feel about that. I like football. It went Back when I lived in Utah, whenever someone offered me tickets to a Utah game, if it didn't conflict with BYU's game, I was there because I like football. And, and I didn't go out of my yep. way to wear my BYU game to like an Oregon State Utah or my BYU clothes to that game. But you know what? If I go to an away game anywhere that I have no interest in either of the teams, I'm going to support BYU. I'm going to show up repping my team. So I don't hate yep. you guys for that, Utah. It's fine. Agreed. And, dude, I've, I've said it before. I've seen – I don't know how this be even became a thing, to be honest with you, because I go to I go to games all over the place. I've been to a Denver Dallas Cowboys game in Denver. I'm not a Cowboy fan. I've been to, you know, I've been to Utah State BYU games up in Logan because I was up there for the weekend. And I like I said, I love football, right? Yeah. And I remember last year the Pac-12 championship game. I counted three or four BYU fans, but I don't know how it became a thing because it shouldn't be a thing uh-huh. if you go to a game. Wear your your gear because you're a fan of your team. It's not a big deal. Yeah. It's not like oh my gosh, what a loser. He I I don't know. I don't know how that became a thing. Yeah. If you if you want to go to whatever game you want to go to, freaking go to that game and wear your freaking gear yeah. because you're a fan of that team. Who cares? The internet's stupid. This is yeah. another example how the internet's freaking ruined everything. Here's the, here's the thing again. This is me calling out my own fans. So the Utah fan that was no, Utah fan that was notoriously there at the uh, the Tennessee BYU game. A little overweight. Like, come on, guys. Just let's not attack everybody for everything. Like, the, the internet can be so hostile. You can't, just don't call people out for things like that. Just don't call people out. Dude, I know. I'm a fat boy. Dude. There's fat boys everywhere. People are, you know, we're all, nobody's in perfect shape. There's very few. Right. Um, we're all, we all got our problems, man, whether it's physical, emotional, mental. Be nice, dude. And I like to let's wrap it up with this. I watched the video this morning of Ellen DeGeneres. I don't know if you've seen this. Yeah. Um, but she she went to the Cowboys game with George Bush, and they're on opposite sides of the political spectrum. Uh, a, a conservative Republican president and a liberal Hollywood um, super um, actress or yeah. whatever. Who's a lesbian? Let's Mag- say that too. I mean that. Yeah. That's yeah, not for nothing. Yeah. And so they're on complete opposite sides of the spectrum. But she said in a mo- in her monologue, we disagree, but we can still be friends and be kind to everybody, right? Yeah. And they are on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And let's that's 
the one the the one I worship, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he was kind to everybody. He spent his time helping the poor, and healing the sick, and that's what he did. And we can all learn that lesson whether we wear a red hat or a blue hat. Just be kind, man, because we all have problems, we all have trials, we all have issues. Who cares? We're different, but that's okay. Yeah. Be kind. Preach. Yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to share one story yes. too to wrap it up. Uh and this happened about well, within the past, it was last winter. Uh, my son is a very gifted trumpet player, and I love that. He he really enjoys, he gets into playing the trumpet, and he does really well. And so we go to these concerts for him uh, four times a year. He'll, he'll put on a performance. And I remember during one of the like their intermissions when they were changing, but there was some music being played, I was sitting right behind all of the band students from like eighth grade and ninth grade who weren't playing. And the way they just started dancing to the music that was being played, it immediately in my mind i saw there's some student sections dance better than other student sections and i happen to cheer for a team who has maybe the least gifted in the dance department student section and they always get torn apart there's always the the gifs did we say gifs dang it now i'm thinking about it what do we say gifs okay i got it right then so so you see the gifs of BYU students just dancing like crazy. And, like, you can pick apart each one of them and be like, look at this guy's dorky moves. Look at that guy. Look at what she's doing. Look at this. Look at this. And so I was watching these band students just have a great time, and they were happy. And I sat there and thought, oh, man, if the Internet saw them. And I thought, what a what a crappy way to think about life. Because I yeah. thought, I, I don't want to live my life thinking, I hope Twitter doesn't see me doing this. Like, I am a terrible dancer, and I dance with my kids all the time, and we have so much fun. And it's like, I'm not wrong. The internet is wrong, you know? Let people yep. be dorks and celebrate that, you know? Why yep. do we tear each other down? I do. It's nonstop. You're right. The internet sucks because I'm the same way. I'm a terrible dancer. If I ever a video of me dancing a game, it would go viral. Yeah. But you know what? I'm a kick-ass pickleball player, uh-huh. and uh, I'll meet you on the pickleball court. There you In fact, go. last quick story before we hang up here yeah. is I entered my first pickleball tournament this last weekend oh, yeah. up in your hometown of Brigham City, Utah, because yeah. Brigham City has freaking 17 pickleball courts, this giant complex, <laughs> and they're building eight more. Like It's it's a hub for like national tournaments to go there, right? Whoa. Anyway, there was a, there was a tournament there for the, uh, the Brigham City Hospital, Bear River Hospital, fundraiser and so i entered my first ever pickleball tournament and the way it's ranked is you rank yourself either 2.0 2.5 3.0 3.5 etc up to 5.0 5.0s are pros uh-huh. i didn't know what to do so i just did right in the middle 3.5 entered myself 3.5 and i went six and one came in second got a medal was on the podium and it was a lot of fun man pickleball yeah. is awesome so get out there and support your pickleball association <laughs> and let's grow this sport I've, I've been away too long where are all these courts it's just you know where the swimming pool is yeah it's just it's on that same property north of it. There's oh. I guess there's a nor, nor, north of the baseball yeah. or the softball fields. Okay, there's a yeah. giant complex. They have 17 courts, including a center court with stands and lights in the championship court, and they're building nine more. It's like a giant complex. No way, it's, it's incredible. That's Pickleball crazy. is amazing. It's the fastest growing sport in America. Or at least that's what I'm told, but it's freaking fun. And, uh, yeah, get out there, baby. Support your pickleball players because I am officially a medal winner of the pickleball <laughs> tournament. Boom. That's awesome. Congratulations. All right, bro. Well, cool. I guess we'll wrap it up. It's we've been go, we've been rambling for an hour, so you we know, probably have no one listening at this point. We could, we could go into our second hour. What else do we want to talk about? <laughs> we could. All right, bro. Well, let's let's. Uh, I'm going to be doing a remote, the show remote next week from my hotel in Disney World. Oh yeah. Um, so we'll we'll coordinate that, but it'll be a, a show for the road. But All until right. then, go Utes. Go Cougs.